0: The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. this, Cowboys? Yes! Go Cowboys! This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw Dating, preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and broadcasting live from Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star. Now your hosts, Jess Navarez, Aisha Morrison, Kelsey Charles and Jane Slater.
1: It's OG Thursday. We've got Kelsey Charles back in the house. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny. We, you started traveling so much this year. I obviously had the situation with my mom yeah. and we sort of had rotational shifts, not dissimilar from the Cowboys this year where we've had to have, <laughs> you know, people step up. Haley has done an awesome job. I've loved having her on here, but good to get you and get a fresh voice back. You've. You've got like 10 jobs. How have you been? I've
2: been good. Getting the gang back together. It feels yeah, good. But yeah. yeah, I have been all the place. So sorry, guys. But it's, it's
1: good to see all of y'all. So good to see you. you. <laughs> Uh, you know, we were talking about next man up and rotations and combo shifts and Zach Martin, I was asking about this offensive line and, you know, they're playing very coy this week about who's playing on the left side and yeah. who plays on the right side. And if you're just getting up to speed, a lot of this necessitated by the fact that Tyron Smith is expected to play this weekend and Terrence still went down at right tackle. And so we've sort of seen these nuggets drop this week that Tyron Smith could play right tackle, hasn't played it since his rookie season. Jason Peters played uh, on the right side, hadn't done that since 2005 with the Buffalo Bills. Josh Ball, we weren't too thrilled with seeing, uh, so much so that Jason Peters felt the need to go in there and play this position that he hadn't played in so many years. You've got... Tyler Smith, who can play left tackle and left guard. Have I covered it all, ladies? Yeah. There's a lot there. I, I think Connor McGovern. Yeah, yeah. So they're sort of playing things close to the, the vest on this one. I went up to Zach Martin and I said, uh, Is it interesting to you that a couple of years ago when Tyron Smith went down, because there was so much continuity on this offensive line for so long and guys weren't playing out of position and there wasn't a lot of position flex until recent years that they started drafting that way? that you were reluctant to go to the left side because it was what cuz I wanted him to refresh my memory and he said well there's different mechanics there's different vision it's just it's actually easier to play right guard or right tackle versus right guard over to left guard or right tackle over to left tackle because he says it's almost like it's it's opposite everything right so everything that you would be dominant on one side is actually dom is different on the other side yeah. so I thought that was fascinating Guys, when you are listening and reading the tea leaves a little bit, doesn't sound like we're going to find out until about Saturday, but where do you guys see these guys lining up this week against the Jacksonville Jags? And is this the Cowboys kind of doing what the Texans did with their quarterbacks? Or they're going to surprise us a bit.
3: <laughs> I'm glad you said that. I literally was just about to make that comparison. But I think if you have the capability to play the mind games with your opponent, and not just even just the Jags. I'm talking later on down the road for that Eagles game. You know I've been just dwelling on that. If you have the capability to do that and you have the, I guess, luxury of having the healthy guys to do that, do that. But I also think it's interesting, too, to see where Tyron ends up in the line. Because, again, there was all that conversation even when he was coming back of where is he going to be. But I think you have the luxury of having those vets. You have Tyron, you have Zach Martin, you have Jason Peters who are all ready to do what they need to do. And and we saw it with Jason Peters to on the drop of a hat. Hey, go here, switch uh, right to left. And they have the muscle memory and the mental capacity to do that because we know a lot of that switch comes from a mental capacity. But I think it's going to be interesting and telling for Tyler Smith going forward in the future he has within the O-line because just because he has been left tackled doesn't necessarily mean we won't see him in other places. So I think it's going to be interesting to see where the cards fall for him to find his more
2: permanent spot. But if you have the capability to play mind games, please, Kellen Moore. I'm ready for it. <laughs> I mean, I think it's interesting, too. Like, you talk a lot about how, I feel like, was it two years ago where we had how many combinations of O-line yeah. and everyone was, you know, so excited about the fact that Zach Martin could move and, and do different things and play his old college position. And you think that's great. But then I think if you want to go back to, like, the duke weather conversations where you've got specialists, and O-line is all about continuity. So while it should be lauded to have a player that has that position flex, I also kind of view it, as a little bit of a weakness when it does come to O-line because they are, like you mentioned, Dane, kind of doing it out of necessity versus novelty. And I think that's something to be you know, cognizant of when we're having these conversations. Like, sure, could a Zach Martin play multiple positions? Can a Jason Peters? Can you take a Pro Bowl you know, guy like a Tyron Smith and, and ask him to do something like that? Yes. Do you want to? No. So... You know, for me, when I talk about guys lining up in different positions, my goal is to get them back to their core position as quickly as possible. I'm not as excited and sorry to like be that person about the concept of doing all these switches because I think, especially where this team is, they just got an icky game behind them. They need continuity. They need concrete. They need sure thing, especially as they build upon what they're going to have to end up doing in the off season, in the postseason, rather.
4: Well, yeah, I mean. To piggyback off your point, like the the continuity is important, but I understand right now that they're just trying to figure out what's best right now. Cause you got a quarterback that got his thumb hit mm-hmm. and his bicep hit last week, mm. and you don't want that again because if he goes down, he's done. Right. So I I whereas I, I totally get what you're saying and schematically and with the position, it's right. You're right, that they're flipping things and that could change I don't know how well he plays well, Tyron does at right tackle, however, Going into this next stretch of, you know, going into this next stretch of the season, you need your best five out there. Right. And so – right now, I just think, and shout out to Tyron for even being open as old as as, as not old, but as as, <laughs> as as much of a senior. Seasoned. I'm triggered see, by that. The <laughs> Elder Statesman. Seasoned <laughs> to be a, a veteran in this game and to be open to even doing that because Zach Martin, uh, uh, last time he was asked to move. So just for him to come in and be open to that, you also don't get an addition this late like this typically. So a lot of the shuffling is like, mm. you haven't had this luxury all season to figure out this, so they gotta get it figured figured out now if it is the time this is the only time right now before you go play Philly and try to finish out this season and go strong into the playoffs
1: I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some of the stuff that we saw against the Houston Texans where it's a lot of end game kind of what we've seen with the defensive line in the past Mm. where you sort of your work because Jason Peters you know hasn't started an entire game this season Tyron Smith hasn't started an entire game since he came back and remember I told you guys I dropped it last week you'll see Tyron Smith, likely in this Jags game, but possibly in a rotational role. So I could see them sort of rotating, maybe even on just that right side. You you keep Connor McGovern and you keep Jason. I mean, Connor McGovern and you keep Tyler Smith where they're at on the left side. But at that right side, maybe we see all three of those guys rotating at that right spot yeah. to sort of backfill the absence of Terrence Steele. I just think it's fascinating that. We're talking about Terrence still feeling so irreplaceable. Because he is. Because this offseason, I'll yeah. never forget listening to these guys at Combine and the love affair that the staff had and even his agent, Eric Berthardt, being like, they love him, Jane. They love him. And all of us are going, really? <laughs> and how – I mean, we just watched on just – what was it? One play – Dak throws an interception. They get hands on him, and that prompted a guy like Jason Pierce to be like, "I got to get in this game and help him out." And that resulted in a 98-yard drive and a mm-hmm. score to win this one. So, that is what I'm keeping an eye on in this game. And like I said, you know, you bring it up. I love that they're finally playing coy about this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And we've only seen one padded practice this week on Thursday. Everybody kept saying it, it's all going to be based on practice. I kept looking over there. They're hiding the <laughs> offensive linemen. We're not seeing them do much. It's likely that this is going to leak probably on Saturday, but I don't anticipate it leaking sooner than that. I think they're, and even if you try to trip up some of these, not saying that I did, but even Clarence admitted that he was trying to. These guys are being real careful. We had uh, Bridget Condon from the NFL Network. She's got this game on Sunday. And I had her here at the start with me, and I pulled her over to ask some questions of Zach Martin. And she said, the question was, getting Tyron Smith back, what is he at? And she, and he thought he said, where's he at? And he got real defensive, like, <laughs> tightened up, and he goes, you know, I can't say that. And I just thought that was so funny, because it was almost like, everyone's on high alert, like, don't leak this. You can hear, like, Mike McCarthy, like, in their heads. Like, this reminds me
2: of when he first came to the team, and he stripped the numbers from the blue and white scrimmage, oh, and everyone's like, everyone's like, who are we even watching? Like, big football guy move? Like, that's, I swear to you, like, they're in the meeting rooms being like, don't you eat even, like, Don't give this away. And I kind of love
4: it.
1: I do. I do too. Although I will say that, man, I think that's how Mike kind of got off on the wrong foot with some of us because Bobby Belt and I were covering that for NFL Network and Bobby's tracking like so-and-so's in black socks, so-and-so's in this because we were trying to figure out who's and then you know, the broadcast that covers this game found out literally at the last minute that this was happening. And yeah. they, were, can you imagine calling a game no. yeah. and not no. seeing who's out there, these guys? I mean, it was just, it was yeah. maddening. And that was at AT&T Stadium. Yep. So we were, it was, that was a maddening first start <laughs> for Mike and the media. And we're like, Jason Guerra just showed it, showed us everything. Like, yeah. I don't get it. What, I don't understand It was, it was a moment in
2: time for sure.
3: <laughs> well, and I think them being coy too, kind of says The writing on the wall is we're going to play around a little bit with what we have and then potentially work up to what their steady O-line is going to look like going into the Eagles game and then, more importantly, the postseason because uh, they're in a position now where they just need to win this weekend. And there's multiple playoff scenarios that we'll talk about but um, to get their playoff berth. And I think when you're in that position, you have the luxury of doing the -the on-the-job training, if you will. but But – this is not a team to be slept on. And I yeah, just we want talked to throw about that this out yesterday. there. Remember,
1: we went, we went down some of their opponents, and we'll break down uh, Jacksonville later in the show. We talked about this yesterday. Their record does not reflect how good Jacksonville is when you look at how close they've played some of these games against some pretty good teams that are going to be in the playoffs uh, this postseason. Uh, in order to have success in the postseason, you need really good play, not only from your defense, but your quarterback. And I... Dak seemed as frustrated as probably any of us watching these games. He's thrown nine picks in his last eight eight games. Mm -hmm. After the game, he was even shocked at how many and the volume with which he's played it at. And today he was asked about that a little bit. And, you know, I thought he brought up a good point. Sometimes you can overcorrect too much, right? And he said he's looked at every single interception, and every interception there's a story, right? It might be a miscommunication with the receiver. It might be, have been the offensive line. We talked about yesterday some of the the zone coverages that they were seeing that were a little bit different uh, than usual. But he said each one tells a story, and that's why he doesn't want to overreact too much and overcorrect. Because there is an overcorrection. Sometimes I know when I've gotten feedback early in my career, you sort of overcorrect. You're tightening up and you're pushing And you don't need to do that. Some days it can just be an off day, right? And so that's kind of what it felt like when we were talking about it. But he was the first to say, look, I'm frustrated and we need to clean it up. And yesterday we talked about Mike McCarthy. He said sometimes it's the breaking points and being more precise with some of the angles. And so I get the sense that he's figured it out. But I'll go around the table real quick before our first break. Are you guys at all concerned about the volume of interceptions in recent weeks and – can you make sense
4: of them? Well, I was concerned, but then, like Dak said, when you're going back and watching the games, there's context to, to the interceptions. Um, I would say, like, two or three are on him, I guess. But you can—there's a reason for everything, especially with the quarterback position. There's a lot of trickle-down effects. So I like that response from him. I'm hoping that he just—sometimes the second— the interceptions right before the second, second half though have been killers and they are definitely able to come back from that but I don't want him to lose the aggressiveness because we've talked about for years, you know, a lot of people felt like Dak played more conservative and you wanted him to throw the ball more. And now that he's gained that aggressiveness, you just talked to us about that. Like, you don't want to kill this or kill the aggressiveness. So I'm glad that he's aware and he's looking at everything contextually. I'm not as worried about it, but it is something, especially before the second half, that I believe has kind of shifted the tide um, at the end of the half. And so hopefully that's something he corrects, knowing where he is in the game and just what to do in those situations to avoid those turnovers going into the half my short answer to your question is yes yes okay or you can do that <laughs> or that
2: I don't give short answers so let me let me clarify Or yes <laughs> my my point that I think that I really am hooting into is what you just mentioned is he's taking a second to look into and really dive into each and every one of them they each have a story and I think the qualitative side of this commentary is important because not all of them are on him and I think that you have to take accountability whether you're the receiver you know whether you're Dak I think you also need to look at if he's throwing into tight coverage you know I mean he's 66.9% with completions for the season he's top 10 in the league right now stats are amazing but you know I think it's still Mm -hmm. not good enough for what he expects of himself what he can do and what I think he's going to do so for me no I'm not okay with where it is but I do feel like I am pleased with the accountability with the assessment and I do think he's capable of making the recovery. And I like what you mentioned where he's like I'm not I can't dwell on it. I have to just assess and move on and be surgical about it because football is such a mental game. And yes, a guy mm-hmm. like that yeah. who's gone through something pretty traumatic, you know, with his injuries and just the position he plays, the team he plays for all of that, right? Like I, you just have to be matter of fact and have, you know, a short-term memory loss and be like, "Yeah, that sucked and I'm not going to do that again." So mm-hmm.
3: I think for me, it's more of a trickle-down effect, and it starts at the top, and some people seem to forget Dak is not at the top, and so it starts with play-calling, Kellen Moore, how is that going to be assessed fairly for, is it setting Dak up for success, is he throwing into tight coverage a little too much, is there too many screens, is is the run game not being established enough, so I think it starts there, and then you take the accountability, Dak which he always has done. I think he has always done a very impeccable job of doing that. Um, Take the accountability for that. But then it also goes back. I think it's the interceptions, obviously, are worrisome. But what worries me more is the communication factor. And is that still an issue? Because this has been an issue we've been talking about for weeks now. And Mm -hmm. this goes back to um, man, I, I wanna say Dak's first week of return post injury, we we're talking about, oh, the communication's off. And that's seemed to been a conversation that we've been carrying on. But I think what worries me the most is that factor of it. When is the communication getting cleaned up and where is it a miscommunication? Where is the miscue coming from and how is that getting cleaned up? Because yes, you, you know, from from a fan standpoint, you can sit back and say, Oh, Dak, threw another interception. But what you don't realize when you go back and you look at it there's so many things that led up to those interceptions happening, whether it was his arm getting bumped, whether it was, you know, uh, the receiver not turning around or just little timing issues. I think what it comes down to for me, the most worrisome thing is when are we going to see the communication factor cleaned up? Because that is to me, what's killing them the most. Costa.
1: Yeah. I think when I look at uh, Dak Prescott, I think sometimes he tries to be a little Patrick Mahomes and extend the plays. Right. But like today he said, I need to sometimes throw the way, throw the ball at away a little bit more and he also was asked are you going to use your legs a little bit more to give this offense a little bit more of of a layer that we've seen in the past that I think is has, has I mean he he ha- was a dual threat quarterback early in his career although I have to say every time I see him run I'm like I know don't do it PTSD. right yeah. you gotta do but when it. I yeah. talk about the Patrick Mahomes thing I say that respectfully in the sense that Patrick is able to extend some of those plays and sort of play street ball because he has a Travis Kelsey. And Dak doesn't really have that right now. Now, I'm not going to sit here and anoint T.Y. Hilton as that guy, but I do think that T.Y. has been through enough offensive coordinators. He's played in enough postseason games. He's got enough of that speed to get ahead of the ball because I feel like he's either been throwing behind or throwing ahead of some of his guys. They're just not getting in the right place. I think having T.Y., whether he scores a touchdown for you this season, period, I think at least helps you convert On first downs, on some of those third downs, a guy that's got speed and allows you to stretch the field a little bit more, which is what you haven't really had. And I think what I've noticed with these wide receivers, I don't know about you guys, once one of them starts to pop off, you start to see the other guys. And so Mm -hmm. I just think you need almost like, what do you call it? I don't watch a lot of NASCAR and stuff. Like a pace car, right? Oh, yeah. I think you kind of need... Ty, am like, or so or exciting. CD in a game to sort of be your pace car. Yeah, why are we getting these They literally from. they do this thing
2: where they they like that's drag cool. off each other's wi- energy, and it's like it's like they do. Pa- I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a nerd out, but I don't even know the full terminology. But yes, there, it is something like. And that. I felt like
1: that's what Amari
2: Cooper did. One hundred percent,
1: right? And so when people are trying to say what's this this thing missing? Yeah, what's that? But I noticed after CD had that big game against the Packers, then it was Michael Gallup had that two touchdown game. I don't think. Did C.D. have a touchdown in that two-touchdown Michael Gallup game? I can't remember or not. But I felt like C.D. at least was making big plays, and that allowed Michael Gallup to have the game. And I think when you had Amari Cooper here as sort of your pace car, that's why we were talking three 1,000-yard receivers.
4: Yeah, but uh, to your point about – some of the, the the scramble drill and all that stuff like that's something that I can wholeheartedly say that I felt like this team has lacked this season when Dak was scrambling. Well, that's been one of Dak's best abilities to me is his escapability and throwing on the run. And we've seen him make big plays in the past with that. This re- to add to your point, I I'm hoping that Ty comes in and is one of those guys that scrambles back to the ball, keeps fighting to because Michael Gallup gets it. A lot of those guys get it, but just to consistently have it, it's a it's a will thing and it definitely is a veteran, it's an awareness thing to know, hey, that play's broken down already. Let me go fight back to the, the ball for my quarterback and help him out. It's something I'm looking forward That's to. That's
2: huge. And yeah. I, I don't think we should sleep on that component that he could potentially bring to the table. I think a Jason Peters, like, we've seen, is he going to be an every down guy? Is he going to be a consistent starter? Like, no, but let's not like let's not downplay the value that a guy like that has brought. Like, I don't think we're going to have a Dondari Poe situation on our hands with T.Y. <laughs> I think he can serve as that pace car or at least the guy that has been there that can help be a mentor because again like 88 is is doing great right but like he hasn't he doesn't have as many skins on the wall and it is what it is
1: like he will one day but he doesn't right now so I think there's value and I think again going back to T.Y. before we take this break Jazz Jazz is in my ear we've got to take a break I hear you girl Um, I think what stands out to me is his postseason experience Um, the fact that when we were talking to Dak today and I was even talking to T.Y. T.Y. said the one thing that he's just getting his his hands around is Cowboys speak because, and I asked Zeke, explain that to me. Zeke's like, we're all running the same stuff. Like, you can look at this team and they're running the same. But what we might call this thing, somewhere else is calling this thing. So he's just getting his his mind wrapped around that. But kudos to him. If he's able to come in here on Monday, run a few routes after literally helping his kids out with carpool and football <laughs> practice and start against the Jacks. And then you have him really ready to go against the Eagles and in the postseason. I think that's huge. All right. We're taking our first break. Micah Parsons had all of those comments about MVP. He claims he was short-clipped. Here's why I believe him on the other side of this one. This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, brought to you by Jigsaw Dating, the official dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. At Jigsaw Dating, we obviously want the Cowboys to bring that sixth ring home. But to be honest, we're
2: more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger.
0: What I'm talking about is trash, and it's the only thing that belongs in your garbage can. Now, recycling might not be as thrilling as converting a fourth and long, but next time you're thinking about throwing that Pepsi Zero Sugar bottle away, just cap it back up and pretend you're down by six with the recycling bin wide open. (sighs) Know the difference? Make a difference. Be a team player and recycle. Visit pepsitrashtalk.com to learn more.
1: to Girls Talk Boys Talk brought to you by Jigsaw Dating the official dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys but first Jess Dak Prescott is this year's Cowboys nominee for the
3: 2022 Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year award presented by Nationwide recognizing NFL players for outstanding community service off the field and excellence on the field as well help Dak earn a $25,000 donation to his Faith Fight Finish Foundation by voting on Twitter tweet or retweet hashtag WPMOYChallenge Followed by Dak Prescott through January 8th and vote
1: Dak. All right. Micah Parsons. <laughs> Micah, Micah, Micah. I love that Micah always has a strong opinion. <laughs> when there's blowback, he stands behind it. Uh, we don't typically see that these days. He feels a little old school in that respect. Uh, but if you didn't catch it, he went on the Von Miller podcast And he said a lot of things, and I always love Micah's mind. I mean, this guy truly loves the game of football, studies it a lot. He's got a lot of hot takes on it. But they were debating MVP and whether Jalen Hurts deserved it. And a lot of people took his hesitation, pause, questioning whether Jalen did, whether it was Jalen or the system, and they ran with it. If you just Google it right now – you know, there's an article in ESPN. Jalen Hurts is worthy of the MVP, regardless of what Micah Parsons says. <laughs> Too much. Jordan Mailata of the Eagles was talking about the fact he needed to focus on who they were playing this week. So we asked Micah Parsons about this. We've got a clip. Uh, but he did say, uh, what do you think about the feedback you've gotten so far? And he said, I'm sure they hate me. But here he was explaining the fact that he felt he was short-clipped. And then I'll tell you why I believe him
5: you getting into backlash from Philly? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they hate me. <laughs> <laughs> would, you like, would you like to clarify the thing? Are you standing on what you said or what? Uh, I always stand on, I mean, you got to stand on everything you say just as a man. Um, but obviously, they small-clipped it and just took one line of what uh, was really talked about. But um, no pun intended or no disrespect to Hurts. I think he's doing great this year. Um, But, you know what I mean, I'm a defensive guy, and, you know, I said their Eagles defense is just a team to watch. I mean, I mean, they just got hell of a players over there that's been making plays all year, so from a defensive aspect, you know, I know how uh, offensive guys just kind of get all the credit, so I just want to Stick up for the defensive guys. Because the conversation was most valuable player, is it just quarterback? And right. sometimes I say, well, I know a couple defensive guys that deserve to be in that conversation, right. or even other positions, you know? So, I mean, even receivers, look at what Tyreek Hill's doing this year. So, it's nothing towards no quarterbacks or anything like that. It's about most valuable player and what people bring to their team. That's all the conversation was about. So, uh, that's just where I stand on it.
1: Okay, so. I don't know about you guys. This is why I have a strong, and I feel funny saying this because we have a podcast, but the reason why I don't go on a lot of podcasts is in the past, I've gotten myself in trouble. Not myself getting getting myself in trouble. I'm having a conversation that has nuance to it. There's context. That is important. Even this is why I hate Twitter sometimes, and we go in the, <laughs> the locker room or we get a sound bite. Sometimes it's not just the first sentence or two that makes 140 characters on your show, you need to give it a little bit more time to breathe. And so he felt he was short-clicked, but he literally said exactly what he was saying there to us on this podcast. But everyone ran with this thing and made it a deal. (laughs) I asked him, I said, getting the fact that we're getting into the postseason, you're playing the Eagles next week, are you a little reluctant to be – Talking as much. Like, in other words, say less. And he said he's never going to say less. That's who he is. Uh, But your thoughts when you guys heard it and and his explanation.
4: I understood it because I'd I'd seen him tweet about, I don't want to say, about two, three weeks ago, just in regard to the MVP conversation. Like, that he felt like defensive players should be in the conversation. So when I watched the podcast... And listen to it throughout. I already knew the context. He's just a defensive player that feels like, why are y'all not giving us no shine? And to his point, I mean, the MVP conversation, there's plenty of guys that I've thought like maybe yeah. he is the most valuable. And it's been defensive players. So I understand where he's coming from. Hey, you know how Mikey is. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, listen, like, I, I 100% actually, I really do agree with him. Mm-hmm. And if
2: you actually listen to the entire clip, he starts talking about like Darius Slay. Like, he literally goes to another Philadelphia Eagles defensive player player. So he removes the argument from the Eagles fans, but of course that would ruin the narrative if we included that in our conversations, right? So like, yes, Jane, like he was clipped, but I also think Clip. he has a point. Like, MVP, how often are we ever talking about anyone outside of a quarterback? It's not just in the NFL, it's in college football too, like the Heisman. When you think Heisman, do you ever think of any position, rarely outside of quarterback? Like Devonta Smith is another one, but like, could you name a defensive player? It's not an offensive award but somehow both of these awards historically and statistically whether you like it or not have turned into exactly that and I think that Micah Parson is is on the lips of every single person talking about NFL football right now and I think he kind of has A a right and B a
4: point. Yep, He has a fantastic point. He's Guys have been saying this for years and Micah obviously he's growing as a player, he's getting better and he sees... uh, MVP is a big deal, and right. I'm sure to him and to other defensive players, they feel like it's not even attainable because it has been an offensive thing. So yeah. And not, to like this, like, not to be like this. Like, don't
2: not interrupt you, but like, if this was like a Jalen Smith saying these types of things, like, I not to be rude to him, but like, mm-hmm. he doesn't have the same stature that Micah does. Then I'd be like, boy, you need to chill out for a minute. But like, it's Micah Parsons. Like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna listen when you talk. Mm-hmm. Oh, you just took
3: my point. <laughs> I was about to say, like, this is only a story that would surround the. Dallas Cowboys I mean really it's a non-story when I first saw it I was like I know what he meant like why are we talking about this (laughs) this is just so not it's so not worthy of the conversation in in my life right at least because we know what he meant because we have context we actually listen to the full thing but we know that it's just people take what they want and they run with it and that's how it got into being this bigger conversation than what it is but it is proof that America's team is America's team. Because if this (laughs) was any other team, if this was somebody from, I don't know, say the Buffalo
1: Bills talking, it wouldn't have blown up like it did. Like it was... But it's also coming off a week where Micah had really upset a couple of people with his thoughts on the Britney Griner situation. So I think it was sort of, why are we trending again? Mm.
4: And then, I mean, it's also just the... It's gonna be ramped up because that Philly game yeah. in a couple weeks is yeah. a, next week or it whatever. It feels that like is. a
1: little mini Super Bowl. It yeah. is it, a big oh, deal. For so
4: sure. everyone's gonna be pulling and clipping. I think Lane Johnson retweeted something. I was like, Y'all, are y'all for real? <laughs> yeah. Like the football play to the players to me, like like Jordan Malata, like now, y'all oh, by the
1: way has an outstanding voice. Yeah, Did he you hear him? So good. <laughs> When those three guys are sending—I don't know if yeah. Cowboy fans have paid attention to this, but they put out a Christmas
4: album. I actually liked it. Ain't Jordan my he was free-flowing.
1: I was like, okay. Yeah, I'm like, let's go. He should go on The Voice. Uh, the I didn't mean to, to cut you off <laughs> no, there. No, it's
4: okay. You, got, you made another good point because they was really singing on that
1: thing. <laughs> I'm but, sorry. <laughs> but do you guys know how many defensive players have actually won MVP? I don't want to. And I just wonder if, if Micah's a little sour here because remember we talked all the comparisons of Micah to Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor was the last one to win it back in 1986. Mm. The only other uh, guy to do it was before him, Alan Page, in 1971. Oof. So you'd have to go back. How many decades is that, guys? Like four decades? Almost four decades. A I was, time. I was the last time. alive then. Yeah. It, it, I don't want to talk. See, you know. It was almost four decades since a defensive player <laughs> oh, won it. So <laughs> defensive players have won it. And so Micah Parsons was just talking about it. And remember, there was a lot of conversations about him. You know, it was like what he got rookie of the year last year defensive rookie of the year, and he was up for defensive player of the year. But he's also, I see, there are some odds out there. We can't talk about odds in a lot of places, but there are some people that have put him in the conversation now way down the list. I think Jalen Hurts has made a hell of a case yeah. because I think you could argue, and and I think that's where people were getting in the weeds, was some of the conversation was also, you know, is it system or is it Jalen Hurts? But you could talk to a lot of people. What you're seeing from Jalen Hurts is so different than what he was doing even last year. And so that's why a lot of people, even though, yes, you've seen some great defensive play, I think having a guy like A.J. Brown has really helped this offense this year. Jalen Hurts has had a lot to do with extending the plays, what he's able to do. He's just so elusive when you watch some of these games. And to, to finish
2: the whole conversation around like MVP and when I said about the Heisman, I just looked up the Heisman, the only primarily defensive player to win the award was Charles Woodson. Not so wild. like that, again, like you can have your opinions about Micah. You can say like, hey man, maybe you shouldn't talk so much. Whatever you want to say, like there is merit to the core of his argument about MB- and, those kind let's, of awards. Let's
1: kick that around real quick. Again, I'm throwing this off topic for yeah. you guys. And so if you don't want to jump in, that's fine. I just feel like, yes, a defensive player can make a big impact. And you could argue... I would say last year uh, when you had DeMarcus Lawrence out and a rookie and Micah Parsons coming in and doing what he did last year to give this team one of the best defenses they've ever had, I think he made a strong case last year. But when you look at the quarterback, you are responsible so much for not only leadership, but you're having to communicate with so many different position groups. If you have a bad game, on some levels, your defense can bail you out. But if you're off, if your quarterback is not playing well, that really hurts your season. Oh, yeah, like yeah. and we've seen it with good teams. Like we've seen it in the past. I'm trying to think one that comes to mind right now where you've kind of had a trash quarterback, but the rest of the team is is winning despite you. Does uh, anyone have a good one for me.
4: I have one.
2: <laughs> oh, I might. Oh, think I'm of not going to say I'm not
4: going to say trash, but I mean. I mean Jimmy Garoppolo is never been he has never been a guy that's going to toss the ball around and do a whole bunch of stuff but you pair him with a great run game and a bomb defense that gives him short fields, gets him turnovers, plays physical, yeah, uh that that would be the first person I think of but it's I struggle with it, too, because when we've talked about it multiple times, every time you do sounds or tales from the other side. Girl, you just took coaches, my point. Coaches are <laughs> the first name that comes out of their math, mouth isn't Dak Prescott a lot no. of time. It's not. It's it's this defense and Micah Parsons and how he can wreck a game. I think Dak can t- change a game, absolutely. But Micah can literally wreck a game. And I think the his value is so different than a lot of players, because there's not that many players that can do that. But in this I, league. but I think the argument is, Micah Parsons is such a generational type player. Right.
1: tracking for the most part. When you, you don't look at the like success that. of a team, it really goes as your quarterback goes. Tracking. I mean, we've seen teams that have won despite not having. I mean, look at the Cowboys in their run without Cooper Rush. You could make that argument, mm-hmm. but I think when you look at over the totality of of, of the foot of the NFL and this award most years if you lose your quarterback your team isn't and there's not one singular player on defense mhm that's going to make a difference. I think that, honestly, defense... I could be wrong, though. I'm no, open to debate. It's
2: open. I, I, I kind of... I, I hear Micah's point, and I do agree, like, if you look at it, but I also think, like, it's the nature of the position. Like, where defense is more of, like... It's kind of like O-line, a little more of, like, an unsung hero. Right. You know, same with defense. It's like your job is to get your offense onto the field to go win the game for you. Your job isn't to go win the... You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's almost like they are set up to help be the stepping stool for Dak Prescott and team to come in and, like, carry the ball across the finish line. Like, that's just kind of a little bit of the nature of it.
1: And, look, you could make the argument if Micah Parsons, God forbid, got injured this year, I don't know if you've got another guy that could affect— because even if Micah Parsons isn't getting the sacks— just what he's doing on the field has allowed yeah. guys like I mean when can you remember hearing names like Dorrance Armstrong or Sam whole. Williams he
4: changes the whole gang plan right and that's why the MVP but I just thing wonder if that the conversations
1: coming from him because well, there's a little bit of him going absolutely hey, hey, why uh, am I not more in this it? mix I mean but why else would it why like it? and
3: I think he won't far, say that no, but no. No. as far as Micah he is a generational player and he has every right to stand on his stand and say I deserve the credit because what he has done is something. Thing that you're not going to see from another defensive player for probably years to come and he can acknowledge that he can recognize that I, I am all for people taking the credit when they should but also I think it opens up a, a different conversation specifically with the Cowboys this season because we've seen the defense really having to carry the work the workload this season especially when you had dak out cooper rush in and then Shh. all of that kind of turned Which you is still saw crazy.
1: they're a top 3 offense the, I'm right. is a you you wild. saw
3: a dominant defensive team and and I think when you look at it from that context and had this season not been that way it wouldn't be such a conversation in depth like this but because we've seen how much the defense has impacted this offense when they haven't been able to communicate well and they haven't been making the plays like they need to and cleaning up things week to week and penalties and all of those things you are winning games because of your defense for the majority of the season that's what the conversation has been and I think Micah makes a very good point in saying, hey, give credit where credit's due. But also, Micah has to remember, there's not going to be another Micah Parsons for years to come, you know? So it's it's interesting. And yes, the court, I'm not taking anything away from what Dak Prescott does for this team or any quarterback in this league, because obviously there's a reason your quarterback shines. But he has a great point. I just think, uh, you know, he's also forgetting he's a very special kind of player <laughs> that you're not going to see the magnitude of that for Probably years down the road. I mean, what when was the last time we heard that? In the nineties, in the eighties?
1: Like was, he's a yeah. very generational 86. player. Yeah. All right. Well I, I love this because on Media Mash, Clarence and I never shut up and poor Nui is always like, We gotta get to a break. We gotta get to a break. I love that our shows reach that point where we've all got <laughs> such strong takes on some of these uh these topics that I need to rush us to a break because both you girls did a lot of work in the locker room today as we look to scout the Jags. We barely talked to the Jags <laughs> in a media mash, but this is a team we talked about yesterday, we talked about earlier, don't overlook. So we'll uh, highlight a couple of matchups and players to watch on the other side of our final break. This is Girls Talk Boys Talk brought to you by Jigsaw Dating. Angel Food Slim, blended without added sugar. Smoothie King,
0: rule the day.
1: to girls talk boys talk brought to you by jigsaw dating the official dating partner of the dallas cowboys but first jess
3: well james wright is your 2022 cowboys fan of the year james brings the spice to every dallas cowboys game and now needs your help to bring it to the super bowl vote for james to be given the ultimate title of nfl fan of the year presented by captain morgan by casting your vote at nfl.com fan of the year
1: all right jess let's start with you you were in the locker room today scouting yep. uh the jacksonville jacks sort of talking to some of these players about some of the favorable matchups, what did you glean?
3: So, when doing my homework, uh, what I've noticed is the Jags are coming off of a real high high. They scored 20 points within four turnovers last week, so this is going to be a game of who plays the most complimentary football, because, we talked about this last week, that's when I heard the reoccurring theme was that worked for the Jags last week. Now, the Cowboys, of course we know, Dak coming off of the turnovers, he has nine for the season. So, in order for Dak to feel like he doesn't have to uh pass the ball so much what do we need to establish well the run game so here's a couple of people i want you to keep an eye on uh i'm gonna get this name right foyer aluakon um this is somebody that i really want you to keep an eye on as far as potentially trying to stop the run early because something interesting he has that tie to dan quinn back in atlanta dan quinn was part of the draft class that uh, part of getting him in that draft class. So I just want to point that out. Um, and
1: high school besties with Zeke, so knows his game very, very well. I go. always enjoyed the matchups early oh, yeah. on in their careers of those two.
3: There oh, you yeah. go. And so uh, shout out to my co-host Brandon who sent me this clip of Dan Quinn talking about Foyer back in 2018. Very weird to see Dan Quinn in Atlanta gear. I just want to throw that out there. But <laughs> um, he says that they will play him at will a lot and that the things to watch out for is the speed that Foyer brings, and also the the longevity of him. He's able to block well and all of that. He also plays square is something there. So he's physical. He plays square. All of that good stuff. Somebody else, Uh, linebacker Chad Muma, who I was looking at the practice report right now. He was limited both Wednesday and Thursday, dealing with an ankle injury. Something about Chad is um, the amount of tackles this man has. Scary. 11 combined tackles uh, against Detroit, and he also had 1.5 sacks during that game as well. And then very last but not least, I want you to keep an eye on linebacker Devin Lloyd because if Chad doesn't play, Devin's been the one to step up and really take that spot. But something, too, is if Chad plays, Devin's going to be integrated a little bit more which is something that the Jags are playing with uh, that versatility they're really starting to dip their toe in that water so he's physical he's complete and you can expect to see him getting off of blocks that's something he's very very uh, tight with so all good names keep in mind your linebacker group with this Jags team is not somebody not anybody you really want to sleep on again capping the run is going to be their goal early on so there you have it
4: Nah, yeah to your point the, the their linebacker core Devin Lloyd all those guys they fly around and they're Are sure tacklers. So um, the run game for the defense, hopefully you get some guards up on these guys. But in regard to um, some of the matchups I'm looking at, I got to talk to J. Ron Curse because you have Evan Ingram that's coming off of a huge game. He had last week, 162 yards, two TDs. How's that matchup going to be? He kind of laughed at me, kind of, you know, he kind of chuckled at me like, he know what's up. He was very aware of his stats from (laughs) last week, to say the least. So that's a key matchup to look at. Also too, you got Deron Bland playing that nickel corner, going up against Christian Kirk who's been cooking I mean he's 874 yards seven TDs he's definitely tied for second in red zones Red zone touchdowns in to the yeah. NFL. So something he's to keep the, an eye on. He's the safety blanket. Yep. He's that slot guy that we're kind of we're kind of hoping that T.U.I. becomes for for Dak. Just that go to guy. That's a, definitely a matchup to look at. And Trayvon Walker on the defensive side mm-hmm. of the ball had a big game last week. Um, had the strip the strip uh, sack fumble rather, but he also had three pressures. So offensive line is going to have to come play because those guys are able to get penetration, especially in in the middle of that defense. This defense is scrappy. Yeah, Like, the Jags' defense is scrappy. They're middle of the pack basically everywhere else, but, like especially against the run, they can stop you. Not Trayvon Walker uh,
3: did not participate in Wednesday or Thursday's practice, so just want to throw that out there. He's also dealing with an ankle injury. And something else about uh, Evan Ingram that I, I was kind of shocked to hear is he's on pace to having one of the best receiving seasons by a tight end in Jags history. So wow. he is not one to be slept <laughs> he's on, reviving, and gentlemen. He's
4: literally reviving his career over yeah. there. Doug Peterson and those guys are doing a fantastic yeah a fantastic job with how many they have a lot of weapons on the outside so the cowboys corners, safeties all those guys are gonna have to come play do not let five and eight fool you nope no no this
1: lies (laughs) deceit (laughs) all right good stuff from the locker room ladies uh i know fans that aren't always getting a chance to scout the opponent uh at least have an indication of some weapons and some matchups to keep an eye on. Uh, So real quick, I know this is where we start talking playoff scenarios. It's my least favorite part of my job because (laughs) it's complicated every week. So the simplest way for the Cowboys to get to the postseason is win against the Jags. If that doesn't happen, if Dallas gets a tie plus New York or Washington does not end in a tie (laughs) is one way. If Dallas ties plus Seattle loses or ties, they can get in. If Seattle loses plus Detroit loses or ties, they can get in. And if Seattle loses and Washington loses, they can get in. So the easiest ways, Dallas win or Seattle loses and Washington loses. Those are your playoff scenarios. Mike McCarthy and the team not talking about it till they get to 11. Let's hope they're talking about that. And we are talking about that next week on Girls Talk Boys Talk. We will see you next time. Kelsey, great seeing your smiling face. I will see you guys again next so week, nice too. To whoop, whoop. Bye, guys.